We're going to go on through this parable and finish up uh, towards the end of chapter 18. And, and you know, this is one of the, um, it's, it's a uh, topic tonight that comes up often. And it's, um, it's a, it, 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 uh, it affects all of us, let me say that. Uh, I was, uh, I've been asked before and asked recently about this subject. And, um, and uh, here it is, and it just has worked out uh, tonight as, in going, as we're going through chapter 18 to come into this subject of forgiveness. It's a tough subject, it really is. I think of uh, my uh, friend Brother Price, who just not too many, just a couple of years ago, I've told you already, and I think of uh, what he went through in his life when uh, on his wife's birthday and their vacation heading home, on that, that her birthday, their anniversary of 42 years, a drunk crossed the center line, hit him head on, and killed her instantly. And I've told you this before. It bears repeating. He had wrote that morning on Facebook, that very morning. And I saw it. I thought, oh, isn't that nice? He wrote that very morning. Um, I cannot imagine life without my wife. High school sweethearts. They have lived. She has. He was military. He this he he was gone a lot she lived she lived through what most military wives do not live through and leave and she she stayed i mean they were just very close and you think at times of all things of all people for that to happen do couldn't so i mean there there's plenty of couples out there that just would be just fine with one or the other be going away, okay? Let's just be honest, okay? I'm not, right? There, there's plenty. And this one, this one, this happens too, right? It's tough, isn't it? And, you know, this is what happens in life. Bad things happen in life. Things are going to be done to us uh, from, from people that are not going to be nice. Some of you have, may have a, a history already and a long history of just some really negative things that people have done to you in your life and uh, I'll tell you this, it's not God's fault. We saw that this morning, amen. He has allowed things in, in, into our life and we, we trust Him in that. But it is fellow man's fault. It is our fellow servant's fault. And things that are done to us to offend us, they do come into our life. And the question is, what do we do when they come? Is there ever an occasion, is there ever a sin so egregious that we have a different response than what the Bible says? And I want to look at that this morning, or tonight, whatever time of day it is. It's, uh, I had coffee this afternoon, so it feels like morning, yay. And so we're going to be here for a while. But if you notice here in Peter's question here in chapter 18, look at, uh, uh, look at if you would, chap- uh, verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him till seven times? And what an interesting thing that is. It seems kind of out of nowhere, but it really does fall. The Holy Spirit of God placed it here in chapter 18 for a purpose, and there is a connection. I might get to that here a little bit later. But Peter comes and he, he brings up the topic of forgiveness, which this is interesting. Because really, if you look through the Old Testament, there's not the subject of forgiveness necessarily. A little bit, we'll look at this, but not much, okay? And if you recall back to the model prayer, not the Lord's Prayer, but the model prayer, when when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, pray this way, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Watch, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those 
who sin against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us as. It's, it's in like manner. Oh, hold on a minute. So Jesus in this model prayer was teaching us to forgive, to forgive in the same way we desire to be forgiven. Hmm. Forgive us. No, watch. What he's showing here is God forgives us. Don't we're, don't, 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 we're talking about forgiveness in, in fellowship, not forgiveness in relationship. Forgiveness in Christ, not outside of Christ. We're talking to believers here. God deals with our sin the same way in like manner as we deal with those that sin against us. Boy. I know it's Sunday night. It's supposed to be a little, little easier maybe. But this is just what Jesus said. Amen. Are we going to agree with? Or are we going to agree with the Lord Jesus Christ? Anybody? Uh, anybody want to venture out? Just say, no, nah, I don't think he was right there. <laughs> right? That's what he says. And so this is interesting. So obviously Jesus has set the foundation for forgiveness. And so here Peter brings it up. How often, if you say I'm going to forgive, it's now Peter's argument is question. He's not coming with an argument against forgiveness. Obviously, he's coming that he believes it. But his question is how many times? Because there's some jokers out there that they just don't leave you alone. There's some guys out there. There's some gals out there. I'm telling you, they, they, they find their heel and they, they just step on your last nerve and they just drive the heel in. And, and then they say, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I mean it. Oh, sorry. And Peter's like, well, how often do I got to forgive this guy? He's a knucklehead, right? He says, till seven times? What an interesting number that is, right? Because, we don't, I mean, really, nobody has a clue where Peter came up with this number. The only inference that you could think of that you could possibly see, if you turn back, if you have time, you can turn back to Amos chapter 2. And look what it, listen to what it says here in Amos chapter 2. God is speaking about Israel in verse 4. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof. You've got to understand how this, type of, this style of writing is. He's saying what he's saying. I'm not going to turn away for four. Four transgressions. What's that mean? For three, I would. For three transgressions I'd forgive, but four I'm not turning away. Look at verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel, and for four I will not turn away the punishment thereof. He said, I I might have turned away punishment for three, but not for four. And so maybe possibly, I mean, in in some uh, theologians who are way smarter uh, than I will ever hope to be that do this, you know, 24 hours a day, say that there are rabbis out there that would, that this was their, their admonition to, to, to Jews, which was three times, forgiveness, three times max, right? It's just like the Hebrew people to count down to the penny, right? Three times, that's it. After that, no more. You don't need to forgive them anymore. So some have surmised, well, maybe Peter was really spiritual. And Peter come along and said, seven times? That's three times, right? It's twice, six, plus a whole other one. That's pretty good, right? He's just hyper-spiritual. And I don't know if he felt good about himself, <laughs> you know, knowing Peter. Maybe he did. But he, he, he gave this number out here three times, right? Three times. And look what Jesus says in verse 22, it is a shocking number. Jesus comes and he says unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. I know we're familiar with this passage. I understand that. Seventy times 
seven. I know what you're saying. If Brother Martin was here, he'd go 490 that fast. 490 times. Right. That's a lot of times. I mean, if you want to break it down, I kind of like, it, like to break it down. If you think of 70 as the a- average lifespan, right? Jesus says, I'll give you 70 years. That would be what? Seven times a year. So if that joker gets onto you seven times a year, you've got to do it for the rest of your life. Seven times a year for the rest of your life. That's a long, no, what a, that's a long time. Until I die? Sure. I mean, that's not what he's saying, but I'm saying if you just want to start playing with the numbers like that, oh, there you go, right? Seven times a year. What about one, times, what, what about one time a month? At once a month. Jesus says, if that guy does this once a month, if he does it every month, how many years am I going to spend forgiving this guy? Forty years. What is Jesus saying? Really, it's limitless. How old are you when you first begin to realize that somebody has really wronged you? 10, 12, 15, 20, right? If you're 20, 40 years, I mean, you're 60, you're getting to the end. I mean, essentially, it's like a lifetime. Spend your life forgiving that individual. That's a radical statement. That, That is nothing like has ever been taught. Right? He's saying there is no limit. And so to illustrate this, now Jesus is going to give a parable. In verses 23 through 35, if you notice here, verse 23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. Now what is the kingdom of heaven? It's not the church. The church and the kingdom of heaven are two different things. The, the word heaven is the, is the word basilica. The word, uh, uh, the word kingdom is basilica, the kingdom of heaven. The, the, the word church is ecclesia. Two different words, two different meanings. So the kingdom of heaven is what? All of the saved, all that have been born again. Not everybody saved is in a church that Jesus started. Right? If people say, well, only the church is going up in the rapture. Poor David. He's not going. So you're telling me Old Testament saints aren't coming up? You've got to be careful of your, of, of your definitions, right? And so, and so he's, this is speaking of the kingdom of heaven. This is not just talking about church members. Church talking about other believers, and I think it expands beyond that, and we'll see this here in a little bit, possibly. But he says there is a king within this kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. So he's taking an account of his servants and he's finding out this. He's found out he has a servant that owes him, listen to this, 10,000 talents. Anybody have a clue how much 10,000 talents is today? Anybody want to venture a wild guess? Upwards to a billion dollars today. A billion dollars. One pence was a day's wage, right? And then you have a talent, right, which would be like a year's wage. 10,000 talents would be like working for 10,000 years. What is he saying? That's a huge debt. That is an insurmountable debt. And uh, this king comes to the servant and says, you owe me 10,000 talents. You owe me a billion dollars, man. Pay it. And he goes, I can't. And the king says, fine. We'll sell you. We'll sell your wife. We'll sell your children until you pay it off. 
And in this, this guy, this, this servant, he is a servant, and uh, he comes and he says, he, verse 26, he fell down before the king, and he, he, took, he says, and he worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. How is that possible? 10,000 years of working, how is that possible? A billion dollars. Can anybody in here conjure up a billion dollars in a lifetime? I'd like to know who you are. I'd like to get acquainted, right? We've got a church to finish over here. <laughs> yeah. If you're watching online, you got a billion. We could take a million. You'd be, you'd, you know, the Lord will bless you. Yes. And uh, a billion bucks. He said, hey, he said, you're going you're gonna to stay in jail till you pay it up. And what does the servant do? He falls at his feet. He begins to worship him. What is he saying? He's acknowledging the worth of the king. He worships him. He asks for payment. And then he goes ahead and promises to pay. He said, just have patience with me. I'll pay it. I'll pay it. I'll pay it. The Bible says the king ended up having compassion on him. And he says, tell you what. Forgiven. A billion Dollars forgiven. I'm telling you what, there's a few debts I wouldn't mind forgiving, and they're not even close to a billion dollars. Not even close to a million dollars. I think I'd be happy if, if I had a billion dollar debt, Alan. Could you imagine? What would you buy for a billion bucks that you'd be in debt that big? Tell us, please. He'd have. <laughs> Can I tell you something, though? <laughs> I can't even think what a billion bucks would look like, right? Can I tell you something? You know what? We've been forgiven by God. It's far more than a billion dollars, ten billion dollars, a trillion dollars. What we've been forgiven doesn't even match the national debt. Thirty-four trillion dollars. Our our mind can't even comprehend those numbers. That's why they get away with it now. We can't even. It doesn't even compute in our brains. It's meaningless. Meaningless. Yeah. This king forgave him. He forgave him. He had compassion and he forgave him. Watch this. The servant offered to pay the debt. He said, I'll pay it. Isn't that what we do with Christ? Oh, you know, we do this before salvation. We try to work our way there and there's no way to work it off, friend. You are not going to work off that debt. I'm sorry. You know what's going to happen? You're, you're, you're going to spend the rest. If you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you will spend the rest of your eternal existence in hell attempting to pay it off and it'll still never be enough. He said, I'll pay it. And the king said, no, that's all right. Watch. The servant came with works and the king came with grace. This is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. He came with grace. He forgave it all. Hey, do you remember the day you were forgiven? We talked about that this morning. Do you remember the day when your debt was, was canceled? It was wiped out? Watch. You had, you had the record of Jesus Christ as if you never, ever, ever even had a debt in the first place. Wiped clean. Remember that? That was a good day, wasn't it? When you realize that your sins were forgiven and they were all gone. Why did he do that? Well, it was, it was completely and utterly and totally of grace. You know what this joker does? He's been forgiven of a billion dollars. And he goes and hunts down. Watch this. Don't, don't lose this. Keep this in the back of your brain for later because we're going to come back to this. He, he finds a fellow servant. Somebody just like him. A servant in the kingdom. And a servant with a debt. No, he didn't have a billion dollar debt to a king 
he only had a debt of a hundred pence to another servant. What was a hundred pence? Well, as a day's wage, a pence was a day's wage. He had, he owed a hundred days worth of money. A hundred days of labor he owed to this fellow servant. It's it's a hundred days. That's thirteen weeks. That's three months in a day. That's it. That's all he owed. The guy who owed the king, he owed the king. He didn't owe the fellow servant. He owed the king a billion dollars. And his fellow servant owed him about 13 weeks worth of pay. And he grabs him by the throat. Pay up, right? Pay up. And that fellow servant says, we, we see this here. Let me, let, me, let me show it to you. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. It sounds like the words, it sounds like these two servants had the same cry when the debt came due. Have patience on me and I will pay it all. Verse 30. And he would not, but he went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Wow. Billion dollars, 13 weeks. 10,000 years, 13 weeks. Unable to pay it, not possible. It's possible. A king, two servants, and he throws them in jail. Well, if you notice this in the text, the servant didn't go and tell the king about it. Other servants went and told the king about it. They were disgusted with it. They were ashamed by it. Look what it says, verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, what was done, they were very sorry and came and told, uh, told unto their Lord all that was done. And then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant. What made him wicked? His actions. What were his actions? Unforgiveness. Though Jesus is telling this parable. Right. A parable. A par- parabolis. What does it mean? Para. To come alongside. It's an illustration to come alongside truth. To il- illustrate truth. Actual truth. And Jesus said, wicked servant. Look what he says here. I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest thou, thou also have had compassion on thy, underline this if you want to, fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee. Yeah. All, all was forgiven. You know what he said, told him here? He said, you should have had what? Like compassion. You should have had the same compassion as your king. Are you following You should have responded to this guy the way I responded to you. You should have returned to this man the the way I returned to you. A like compassion, even as I had pity on you. So what is Jesus showing here of forgiveness? What is the the main thing that he's showing here? I, I wish I had a way to draw a picture of it up here and to show you what it was like. But I don't. You have to use your brain. If we were looking at my sins, they would be from here to there. In my sins, next to God, right, would be zero all the way up to, and mine would be here, and God's would be zero. He had never sinned. He has never been a sinner. He will never sin. God has never done anything wrong. He has never done anything to us. We saw that this morning. He's only done things for us. Watch this. My sin is up here. God's is zero. And the, the, the God who has zero sin forgave all of this. Right. Now watch this. 
me next to a fellow servant, my sins are here, and his may be like right there. <laughs> mine are there, and his might be there. Maybe it is mine, mine are here, and his are there. Right? But but you see what Jesus is doing, fellow servant, fellow servant. We're both sinners. We both have a debt. Oh, yeah, his is higher than mine. But hold on. When we're dealing servant to servant, right, we're the same. Hold on a minute. You see what he's saying? If God, who has zero sin, can forgive all of this, why can't I, who have this, forgive my fellow servant who may have this? Actually, it should be great, easier and quicker for us to forgive a fellow servant than it is God to forgive us. No man can offend me greater than I have offended God. You say, I don't know, I've had some pretty terrible things. Eternity will bear out when we, get, when we are birthed into eternity and leave this life. Eternity will bear out the chasm between us and God, what it really was. When John saw Jesus and all of his glory in Revelation, he fell at his feet as he were dead. It was not the Jesus that he remembered on planet earth that he walked with and that he talked with, right? It wasn't the one that he said that we beheld. We saw him and beheld him and all of these things. It wasn't the same Jesus. This one was a flame of fire. This one had a voice. This one had hair white as snow. I mean, this one was, was, this, was this presence that he went, and he fell down. Angel had to come get him up, right? What am I saying? There is nobody that could offend me or do me wrong more than I have offended and God, done God wrong. Nobody. The principle applies to little sins, little offenses, as well as big offenses. Actually, we are more like our Heavenly Father. We are more like Christ when we forgive the greatest offenses. This is what's Jesus saying. Why did you say seven times 70? Right. Because you have been forgiven for eternity, forever. You will never die. Never. So why should we look at a fellow servant and say, yep, too much? I'm not minimizing pain, friend. I'm not minimizing some awful things that people do. I'm not minimizing it at all. There is some, some people have lived through some of the most egregious things that you could ever imagine. But I also know people that have lived through things that, I can, that are unimaginable who have learned this and forgiven. And we're going to get into some details of forgiveness, what it is and what it is not. So let me look at some details here. Is repentance necessary for you to forgive somebody? I used to believe that. I mean, it's logical. Well, I mean, God doesn't forgive me unless repentance comes. Why should I forgive somebody else if repentance doesn't come? What if they never, what if they never come to me? Yeah. Somebody asked me a wonderful question on Luke 17. It's an excellent question. Excellent. And uh, Luke 17, turn there if you would, please. Luke 17. 
How many have beat me there? <laughs> Luke 17. Would you look at verses 1 through 3? Then he said unto his disciples, It is impossible, that if, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. What does that mean? It means God will deal with them. The wrongs that have come, God is going to deal with it. Don't, don't get that wrong. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Verse 3, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And that seems like a really good proof text that somebody needs to repent before you forgive them. And I'm not playing gymnastics here, but there's something more going on here. This is a narrative here that's going on. And, and, the, and the subject is, how do you deal with problems among brothers in Christ? Right. Offense? Is there an offense? Watch this. Your responsibility is to go to them and rebuke them. Now, you don't have to be like, Rah! you know, you can say... Brother, you said something. Man, that was that was pretty harsh. You know, hey, sister, you said this the other day, and it, well, that really that really hurt. Yeah. That's what we're commanded to do. Not tell everybody else about it, right? So he, Jesus here is dealing with our responsibilities in the church and among our brothers and sisters in Christ. If has an offense come to you, Jesus said, uh, you know, rebuke them. Uh, Brother Jim, I don't know if he read this. Yeah, he read this. Matthew 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Not him and everybody else. Not her. Well, everybody else and then go tell her. Him and him alone. Yeah. And look what he says. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So what Jesus is saying here in chapter 17 of Luke is we have a responsibility. If somebody offends us as, as a brother or sister in Christ, we have the responsibility. If it really bothers you, go to them and tell them. Right? And watch this. Now they have a responsibility. What is their responsibility? Well, repent. Don't say, well, I, that shouldn't bother you. Good night alive. Grow up a little bit, would you? Right? <laughs> no, that's not a right response. A right response is, are you serious? No. <laughs> a, a right response is, I didn't realize that. I'm sorry. Wow. I didn't, I, I didn't, even, I didn't even realize they said that. People say to me all the time, oh, you said this. I'm like, I did? I don't remember anything I say. I, leaving the house today, I'm like, what did I preach on this morning? I'm, I'm like, what, what, did I, what was the time? Oh, yeah, this was the time. Right. No, watch. See, so this guy has a responsibility to go and tell. The one who is approached has a responsibility. If it's factual, if he did it, he has a responsibility uh, to repent. And if he, if he repents, the individual that went to him has the responsibility to forgive. What, what, are we, what are we seeing here? Mutual responsibility within the family. How often do you do it? Well, Jesus said as many times as it's required. 
But watch this. In Matthew 18, though, talking about the kingdom, not the church. In Matthew 18, repentance isn't even mentioned. Jesus did not mention repentance. Watch, God requires repentance. 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our faults, He is faithful and just. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There has to be a repentance first. Hold on a minute. God requires repentance. So why can't we? You know the obvious answer, don't you? We're not God. Wait, wait. Our sin account isn't zero. We're just a fellow servant with a sin record, with a record that God has forgiven. God has never sinned. God can require repentance. God was never, never, never was and never will be a sinner. Remember, fellow servant. We're all in the same boat, friend. We're all in the same boat. I want you to notice something else here. Is repentance necessary to forgive somebody? Can I tell you something? Listen to me tonight. There are people in the grave that are still, listen, that are still in your head. There are people who may be in the grave who are still controlling your life. And they will never be able to come back for repentance. But you still have the ability and the grace and the responsibility to forgive whether they could have ask repentance or not. Yeah. You do realize that forgiveness in Christ is, is available. It was available to you ever before you were born. It's available. With God, it doesn't get applied to the count until there's repentance. But watch with us, with us, with us. Repentance isn't even mentioned here. It's not mentioned at all. Notice this. Let me move on here. Let me show you one more thing. Look at verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto unto you. Watch this. You can underline this. If ye from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother their trespass. Do you see where do you see where forgiveness originates? It's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. It's 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 linked to humility. You say, how is forgiveness linked to humility? Because we're still in Matthew chapter 18, verses, verses 1 through 14. It was all about humility. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus, the one that comes in like a little child. Humility. The, the humble one is the greatest in the kingdom. Watch. Forgiveness from the heart, it's linked to the same. We're in the same subject here. It's linked to humility. You know what the humble person does? And listen, I know it takes time for us to get there at times. But the humble person, when somebody offends them, the humble person goes, yeah, but you know what I did? Yeah, but you know, my account is probably not much bigger than, not not much worse than their account. Humility. Humility. Forgiveness in the heart takes place, watch, 
Forgiveness in the heart takes place regardless of repentance by the offender. How do you know that? Because some people will come and say, would you forgive me? And they say, no. Or they'll say, sure, but they didn't because it was not in their heart. Watch, forgiveness in the heart is separate and is not connected. It is not connected to the offender repenting. What is it about the heart? What is it about the heart? That's a weird way to question that because I'm I'm sure you're confused that question because I am as well. What, What is, let me say it this way. The condition of the heart is always based on choice. We choose to love. It's a choice. Yeah. Watch. Just as we choose to love, we choose to forgive. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Now I want to show you one more thing. Verse 34. In this parable, Jesus said this, And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. You know, we're told in the Word of God to lay aside all bitterness and malice and hate. Yeah. Why? It destroys you. It destroys you. You know what the lack of, you know what unforgiveness does? Look what Jesus says here. It delivers you to torment. It delivers you to, he says here, the tormentors. Who are the tormentors? Well, I don't know. In that day, they might have understood what that was. right? But there's still a principle here Jesus is laying out. When we refuse to forgive, I'm telling you, you're going to have a life marked by torment. Because it eventually leads to bitterness. And bitterness, as they say, and you've heard it, bitterness is that only poison that destroys its own container. Torment. Bitterness. There are some, I don't know, you might be in here tonight, you might be watching, that you're racked with bitterness. Can I tell you something? Your bitterness has no effect on the offender. They're just, uh, you know, just skittering through life just fine. But it's killing you. It's killing you. I said it before. They're still in the the grave. And they're still controlling your life with bitterness. And it's a torment. Let me show you this. For the child of God so often... Yes, forgiveness is for the one who repents. But the one who doesn't repent, forgiveness is for the one who had been offended. Watch, watch. It helps you. It helps you. It, it delivers you from the bitterness. It delivers you from the pain. It delivers you from the anger. And it's a choice. It's a choice. It's in the heart. And it's it's a... It's an aspect of humility. But let me give a caveat here. Forgiveness does not require restoration. 
Can I tell you, friends, some things cannot be restored. Some things cannot be made better. Like I said, some are in the grave. Can't restore that one. Listen, some relationships aren't healthy. They're not healthy. They're dangerous. They're not right. But, but watch, you can forgive them, right? You can, you, can, you can forgive, you can let the offender off the hook, you can accept the hurt and refuse any type of restitution for, for what was done to you, forgiveness, you can forgive them and let them go. But it does not mean that it's a good thing to try to go and restore a relationship all the time. Does that happen sometimes? Hallelujah, yes, and it's a wonderful thing. But that isn't required of repentance, of, of, of forgiveness. Yeah. Do you know some people do some egregious things and the offended forgives them and the offender still has to go to jail. They still spend life in prison. They still go to an electric chair. I remember the, the woman by the name of Carla Faye Tucker down in Texas, one of the first women to be executed under uh, George W. Bush's uh, presidency. And she was seeking clemency. She was there for murder. And uh, President Bush rightfully, rightfully said no. No. She murdered. She's, she's going to be executed. This woman had supposedly become a Christian. I, I don't doubt it. And uh, she said, that's fine. This is what I did. You know, she understood that. Yeah. You can forgive. You can forgive the drunk driver that killed your wife while he spends the rest of his life in prison. You can forgive. It's a choice. You need to do it for yourself, not necessarily for them. but you need to do it because it's exactly what your heavenly father did for you. And might I say, the offense was far greater. So God has forgiven us. We need to forgive like he forgives. And watch this. Forgiveness is trusting God with consequences. When we forgive, we're, what we're doing is turning them to God and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. You know why so many times we have trouble forgiving? Because we feel like they're just going to get off the hook and get away with it. Yeah. I have suffered and they get to walk away. Is it possible that our lack of forgiveness stands in the way of God needing to do what he needs to do? But we're in the way. Our unforgiveness is a hindrance to what he needs to what he what he needs to do in their life. It's possible. I have a more of a personal story on this on on this very subject of forgiveness. I think I just mentioned it to somebody the other day, and I can't remember who. But um, you know, somebody came into our family. 40-some years ago and did a lot of damage. A lot of damage. Damage to homes. 
to families, damage to families, damaged uh, a lineage, damaged a heritage, just did a lot of damage in our house. Yeah. Turmoil pursued, ensued after that. It was just, it was, it was, it was just a, a real time of turmoil, and and it is still to this day has its effect. Absolutely, it does. But several years ago, it had been uh, th- probably about thirty years after the event. Uh, my dad was at an event and. And uh, for my brother's uh, ordination service, and just before they left for Australia, I believe it was. And uh, my dad was there for that event, and this individual was there. They were there as well. And the individual, it had been over 30 years, and this individual came to my dad and apologized. He said, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just, I'm sorry. And my dad's response to this individual was, I, I forgive you a long time ago. Maybe that's why dad never changed when the, everything blew up. Maybe that's why there is a testimony of just stability in, in, the, in the midst of chaos. Was it easy on him? No, it wasn't easy on him. Was it painful? Absolutely. But man, I'll never forget that. I already forgave you a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. That sounds a lot like Christ. Yeah. And really, that ought to mark our life. Yeah. Absolutely. So let me ask you tonight is anybody you need to forgive? You say they're dead. You still need to forgive. And release. Are you living in torment tonight because of it? You don't have to. You don't have to be tormented by it. Release them. Give them over to God. And release them. And forgive them. Right? It's killing you, not them. <laughs> I'm telling you. So often they, they, they don't even have a clue. Yeah. And somebody just tell me yesterday morning. Somebody tell, uh, say to the effect of, yeah, they just look like they're just enjoying life and living just fine and everybody loves them and everybody thinks it's wonderful and, you know, here I am over here. And uh, got to forgive. I said, you don't know how he lays his head down on the pillow every night. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know the torture they're living through. It can look good, but it isn't always what it looks like. You'll be living like your father. You'll be free from bitterness. Actually, it's a command. It's a command. And let me say, tell you this: whatever God has a command, whatever God has commanded us to do, He's equipped us to do. It can be done. And I'll tell you, you'll be freer than you've ever thought possible. Does it mean that we're saying what happened? Uh, doesn't have any meaning? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Jesus said for some of these offenses that they ought to have a millstone cast around their neck and cast in the deepest sea. Yeah. Absolutely. Anybody need to forgive? Can I encourage you tonight to get alone with the, with the Lord and, and, and just, just, just plug in 
to what He has equipped you with and plug into the power of the Holy Spirit and release tonight bitterness. It's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. Our Father, thank you tonight. We know some terrible, terrible things have gone on in people's lives. Some people have just wrecked other people's lives. They've wrecked them. And it looks, it looks as if they're just left to just carry on just fine while you, the ones that are offended pick up the pieces. But Lord, this goes so contrary to anything we know. You've commanded us to forgive one another. To forgive. Lord, would you help the ones tonight that need to forgive? Would you help them to do that once and for all? To just totally give it over to you and forgive that individual and let them go and trust you, just trust you with the whole thing and give it over to you. I think some people need some deliverance from this. And I pray you grant that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight. However, the Lord has spoken to you, would you respond to him tonight? The instrument will play. You might just need to be with the Lord tonight and tell Him, I, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm not saying you call them. I knew a young girl who told a, an aunt of hers, you know, I forgive you. And she looked at her like, oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> didn't think she'd done a thing wrong. Yeah. I'm not saying you go call people. Watch, it starts from the heart. Now watch this. You know what you can pray for one day? That they do come and repent. And watch this, when they do come and repent, it, uh, it, it's already settled in your heart. And you'll say, like my dad said, oh, I forgave you a long time ago. Yeah. Do it tonight, would you? Forgive tonight. Sometimes you have to do it multiple times because Satan loves to bring it up again. <laughs> How will you know when I've totally forgiven when their name's mentioned and you don't cringe inside? When your insides don't recoil? What do you do when that comes back after I've forgiven you? All you do is remind God, God, I've forgiven them. I have already forgiven them. Tell Satan, I have already forgiven them. I don't know why you're talking to me about this. I have already forgiven them. Leave me alone. God help us tonight to just be like Christ. Yeah. There's nothing more free in life than living a life of forgiveness, of forgiving one another and uh, 
it's it comes on so slowly, and sometimes it's so so many years that it builds that you don't, you don't even realize the bondage that you've gotten used to. Yeah. But you can be freed. You can be free tonight. Absolutely. Let's be closed in a word of prayer. Have a wonderful week this week. Be praying as we have been for the building and the construction, what needs to go on over there. And uh, pray for one another. As always, pray for those that haven't been able to be here. And pray for the Davidsons and the Morleys that they have a horrible time in California and hurry up and get back. And uh, so we'll be praying for them. Brother Jack, would you close us in a word of prayer tonight?